0: Here we go. You ready? Take that first bitey swig. Before the ice mellows it out. Mm. Tastes like we're out at sea. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Bottle of Brown Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Paul. With me is the vice host, Leon Coventry. Hello. Good to be back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is our second Brown Bulletin coming at you. We're going to try and do this weekly. If you have any questions you want to contribute to the show, you can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can ask a question for Leon. You can ask a question for me. Or you can ask a question about any of the topics we talked about. Or you can contribute your own ideas to the show. Love to hear from
0: you. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into the brown news, what's your what's your brown tonight? What are you rocking tonight? I went with uh, Old Forester 1920. Old Forester is one of those uh, one of those distilleries. I'm I'm a huge fan of. They're one of the ones that. Uh, and the bourbon trail that didn't get shut down during the prohibition and this one's actually the prohibition style Uh, they were still licensed to make alcohol for medicinal use this one is not for the uh, first time bourbon drinker this is one that uh, will light your face on fire if you're not ready I feel like the microphone foam is starting to melt away After taking a swing at this thing because <laughs> it is it is rocket is rocket fuel. I mean it's fifty-seven point five alcohol uh, 115 proof. The science is a little bit less exact, but they they were trying to hit around 115 proof prior wow. to prohibition. So the label looks like it's from 1920. I think that's part of the kitsch. Yeah, yeah, Old Forester. A lot of their labels look the same, but this one's this one's a good one. This this is this is a good one. It's one that I don't always drink. I've I probably had this bottle for a, a while now because you really got to be in the mood. And being that it's Super Bowl Sunday uh, for us, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. in the mood. Very well, very well. Is Forester part of a larger conglomerate? Old Forester is its own distillery, so Old Forester uh, really makes. Many different bourbons. I wouldn't say as many as Buffalo Trace, but it's its own distillery. I'm not sure if who they belong to, but it's not Sazerac. I don't know who their bigger umbrella is. I should probably look that one up next time I come in. But yeah, th- that, that one's its own distillery. So what are you, what are you drinking? Uh, my brown is Jefferson's,
1: and it is the Ocean Bourbon, aged oh,
0: at sea. Good one. That's
1: popular right now. This baby is 90 proof, very small batch. And I found a write-up on it, which is what turned me on to it in the latest Men's Journal, January, February, 2021 issue of Men's Journal with all right, all right, all right on the cover. (laughs) I'll give you some highlights on this one. Montana's John Long Mountains aren't an ideal place for aging a barrel of premium whiskey, at least by traditional measures. The Bear Peaks spend much of the year caked in snow and the summer sun beats on the hillsides like a cosmic broiler. Yet, Trey Zeller... The founder of Jefferson's Bourbon is, according to the article, he seems to be a very intriguing guy in terms of experimentation. So you've talked before about where the barrel is in terms of mm-hmm. elevation off the ground and all of these Different things that go into how the oak is aged, what happens to the barrel after you store it somewhere, what happens after you cork it, all sorts of things. So he plays around with a lot of ideas in terms of altitude. So he'll throw it in the Rockies. Uh, he'll put it in different places. Like he's got a couple of barrels at a winery to see what happens. He's got a couple of barrels in all these different places. So what was interesting about this article is Jefferson's ocean, which is a bourbon that's aged at sea for 18 months. This is the kicker. He's got a buddy that does a biological research boat called O-Search, which tags great whites. Zeller wondered what might happen to the whiskey if it was sloshing around in the tropical heat for a few months. So he convinced his buddy to let him strap three barrels on the deck of O-Search's 124-foot ship. What came back was a young, in terms of its actual age, but one that tasted far older and more complex, full of caramel notes and a briny sweetness, like aged rum. Jefferson's Ocean is still the company's most popular whiskey albeit they've played around with 13 different products in their lineup and a bunch of other things but that's it was an interesting idea to me that they would put the stuff on a boat and just let it go out in the in the salty water I don't have any idea how the chemistry works
0: you might have some insight into that well we we did talk about it in uh, episode two Really what you're trying to do when you're falsely aging a barrel of whiskey mm-hmm. is you're trying to get it to go in and out of that wood, right? Inside the wood, devil's cut. Anything that evaporates, angels cut. Everything mm-hmm. else filtered and you drink it. If you can accelerate in any way that from happening, that's what Cleveland's been doing. Cleveland makes a bourbon. It's called Cleveland Bourbon Small. Small one. And they are playing around with throwing barrels uh, in warehouses and then turning up the heat. Turn off the heat, turn off the heat and, and trying to get it to breathe in and out of the barrel. I think what they were trying to do with Jefferson's Ocean is a very similar situation To say, OK, this rocking boat is going to uh, to accelerate the aging process in and out of the wood. I think they did were able to do it. What do you think of it? You like it? Well, I mean,
1: you can you can kind of see it here. It's thick. It, it kind of coats the glass. It's got a very cough syrup. kind of feel to it uh, with ice. It's mellow. It's very nice. I'll have to try it neat as well. Let's uh, let's get into the brown news. But the last thing I want to add from the same magazine is there's an article here on Metallica that I think I sent you a picture of. They talk mm-hmm. about how the Metallica boys are getting into bourbon. And, you know, we've talked before about the celebrity booze craze about Clooney and Ryan Reynolds and uh, the guys from Breaking Bad. So it's it's a thing, you know, The Rock. It's a thing to be a celebrity to go into booze. But this one was a little bit interesting to me Because the Metallica boys got together with the late master distiller, Dave Pickerel, and the company calls the process black noise. It's a way to enhance the aging process of its whiskey through what's called acoustic cavitation, quote unquote, Uh, wherein low frequency sound waves emanating in this case from custom designed Meyer sound subwoofers lead to the formation of tiny air filled cavities in the whiskey that subsequently implode. When that happens against the side of a barrel, it allows the whiskey to penetrate the charred insides like tiny liquid needles, artificially accelerating the aging process. It is a patent pending treatment known as black noise.
0: Neat stuff. That's the magic. That's, that's what everyone's trying to figure out at these age spirits. How do we get it faster? Mm-hmm. And we talked about it a little bit before where, you know, Tito's is, you know, smoking and other companies like that are smoking. Why? Because when vodka comes off, off the still, it's it's ready to go. There's no aging, right? Here, it's what, your 28 days or whatever, that whole process from start to finish. It, that's pretty quick. But when you're talking about years, tell me how much people are going to like this bourbon six years from now, about 15 years from now. How about 20 years from now? And then tell me how much you want to make. <laughs> that is tough to do. So they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do we do this faster so we can be a little bit more agile with this insane economy and and, and uh, everything else that's happening around us because bourbon might be out in 10 years and something else is in. And tequila's hot and bourbon's out, all of a sudden you're stuck with you know tons and tons of inventory that you can't sell. All right, my man, let's get into the brown news. What do we got? So the first one... <laughs> is uh ardberg 19 year old 300 bottles 95 points is 46.2 percent alcohol by volume but here's the fun part i'm not going to read all of these because we don't have all night just the highlights but the highlights of of <laughs> how they write the tasting notes <laughs> uh, this is that you deserve a doctorate i'm going to do my best uh my, my best An voice Book on tape, boys. Okay, book on tape. The early nose offers a hand-rolled tobacco, ginger, black pepper, and fragrant wood smoke. Medicinal notes, brine, and lemon develop in time. A sweet pea smoke, tropical fruits, toffee, and aniseed on the palate with smoked haddock and then suggestion of tar. I mean, come on. Hey, bit. turn the lights down. We're talking about some bourbon here. Who the hell picked up that? Nobody is mm. the right answer. Hardberg. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move down the list here. Kings of or King of Kentucky, 14-year-old single barrel. Single barrels are getting more and more popular. And something about the single barrel, it just makes it more rare. I, I think to me, uh, it's a consistent Taste, uh, and um, you're seeing almost all of the major brands really start to promote their single berries, but single barrels. But okay, King of Kentucky 14 year. Is it a is it a rarity thing? I mean, is it is it more expensive? Does it take longer? What's the significance of a single barrel? No, it's it's just that it's unique. That barrel to barrel isn't going to taste the same. When you get to blends. Yeah, I mean, Blanton's is a blend of many different Blanton's barrels, right? So you're going to get a very consistent. When I go buy a bottle of Blanton's, I know what it's going to taste like. It's the single barrel similar to like vintage of wine. Like mm. I like that single barrel because I've had them before and they're they're pretty good. At least that's my, my opinion on it. So mm. Angel's Envy Cask Strength Port Barrel Finished Bourbon. I think we've talked about Angel's Envy in the past. Mm You can't legally call it bourbon because for it to be bourbon, it's got to qualify for all those. It's got to be in the virgin barrel. It's got to be distilled, uh, you know, all those different things. Angel's Envy, they pull it out of that bourbon barrel that is the virgin barrel they age it just like they always would but they Angel's Envy always throws it into a port barrel and that they finish it in there so it's pretty much just bourbon with a port barrel finish this is one of those ones I'd love to try the the Angel's Envy cask strength because you don't see that very often as a matter of fact out here in California I, I don't see Angel's Envy on the shelf very often okay next one is Four Gate 10 year old Tennessee Foundation Straight Bourbon it's $150 bottle 94 points uh 51 56.1 Four Roses limited edition small batch Kentucky Straight Bourbon that's one I actually have downstairs yeah, what's your opinion of Four Roses? Four Roses is okay. It's a to me it falls in the same category as um the Woodbirds or mm-hmm. you know even Buffalo Trace. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it in the same category as Bullet. I don't think Bullet. I think Bullet's a lesser bourbon, but it's a good mixing bourbon. So I would I drink four roses uh, and I think it's good. It's a great distillery and uh it's 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 got a lot of history in it. But th- again, this is one of those uh, small batches or or you know single bourbon and single barrel, and this is hundred and fifty dollar bottle, and th- it's legit. If you get the if you get one of those for four roses, you're you're not gonna be disappointed. A little book chapter four. Never even heard of this. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna be on the lookout for it now. That's called Little Book Chapter Four. Lessons honored blend of straight whiskeys. I think it's a cool bottle. It's a cool looking bottle. About 125 bucks. Lucky seven. I have seen this one and I wish I would have picked it up now that it's on this list. Uh, Lucky seven, 12 year old, the proprietor, single barrel, Kentucky straight bourbon. Again, bourbon. First appearance of the Japanese whiskey came out. Mars uh, Kamagate limited edition. Mm -hmm. Have you had any of those? being uh, the world traveler um, that you were?
1: Suntory has a whole bunch of them from the top, which is the Yamazaki, which you got to wait 18 months to get one bottle all the way down to some of the uh, Hibiki's or Hibakis that they sell at Costco.
0: The uh, the winner on this list was old Forester 150th anniversary batch. Um, I haven't even seen it in the stores. Love to see it. Love to try it. So it's an upgrade oh. of what you're drinking tonight. Yep. Very well. And since since this is the winner, I'm going to read one more tasting note for you in my best sleepy voice. Do it. Sweet notes of grape jelly, cherry pie, (laughs) orange peel and brown sugar. Balance on the nose against mature whiskey aromas of earth, leather and antique closet. I think what's what's that app that back up? closet that's what it says antique closet when i drink, when you drink that you think you're in your grandma's closet that's what i got from that description the <laughs> that's the that is the brown notes of the week <laughs> well
1: done sir well done all right, let's let's uh, let's jump into headlines. I grabbed a few from today, of course. Number one being that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won in the big game against the Kansas City Chiefs in what is probably one of the shittiest Super Bowl games in the recent memory. Having it be a New England Patriots slash Tom Brady fan, I can say it was better than the Rams game. However, I was still extremely disappointed in
0: the amount of penalties. I thought Mahomes was injured because he was really slow how many people did he hit in the face mask today that dropped the ball? It seemed like it was happening left and right. That yeah. one through throw he made where he supermanned out. Well, I'm talking about Mahomes. He supermanned out and threw that thing sidearm, somehow 20 yards, hit his dude in the face, and he yep. dropped it. Amazing, like,
1: amazing release on that guy. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's going to be the best. He's going to, you know. He's gonna look back at his second Super Bowl and go, Yeah, it sucked. I was injured. But you know, my twelfth Super Bowl, you know, that's that's the way his story is gonna go down. So I hope yeah, but that n- Tommy would have retired. But again, he's like, Nope, I'm gonna
0: keep playing. And it's like, dude, come on, leave some for the rest of us. That commercial was fantastic from T-Mobile, though, with him and Gronk on why they came back. That was hilarious. Which is funny that you mentioned that because that's what we want to roll into is we want to talk about
1: some of the Super Bowl commercials. So I have Behind me, for your viewing pleasure. Oh, we did a ranking on this large whiteboard. Mm-hmm. We did a ranking of the first half of the commercials because by the time the halftime show rolled around and the weekend played, uh, I got nothing against the weekend. Looks like a nice dude, and apparently his songs are memorable, but not enough to go, "Oh yeah, I know that guy. I know where I heard that song." Because the wives were sitting back going, "Oh, yeah, I know this song too." Oh, he did this. So that's, <laughs> you know, as, as pop stars go, it's kind of like, shouldn't we know who you are, especially if you're playing the Super Bowl? So he certainly didn't hit R. H demographic. Of the commercials that we rated in the first half. Now, again, I didn't do any halftime commercials because by then we were done. I got to say M&Ms came in strong. Oh, yeah. Solid opening. Yep. The mansplaining joke hit hard. The Karen joke <laughs> hit hard. I thought that was <laughs> solid. <laughs> And then it kind of went into this ski jump, downward slide. Some of them were like, yeah, okay, kind of. hmm." One of the door dashes was pretty good. Uh, The Scots miracle Grow turf where Travolta was dancing in front of the camera, I thought that was kind of nice. I didn't even know he shaved his head. Yeah, he's bald.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, That's a good look for him. Uh, We thought the Rocket Mortgage ones with Tracy
0: Morgan were pretty good. Yeah. Anything with Tracy Morgan's good. I'm glad he's finally starting to get back to his old self because when he first came back after his accident, he wasn't quite as sharp as he, he was. So I'm glad yeah. he, it's looking good. He, I think he's, he's coming back. back for sure. Yeah. Uh, T-Mobile nailed it
1: from our perspective.
0: Killed it. The
1: one with Shaggy and <laughs> me. Kutch and Mila Kunis with the, with the uh, Yeah.
0: Cause I know you so like good. that
1: song. So I'm pretty, pretty so part good. particular to that. We we threw it up as a tie because the one of the there's there, Paramount Plus the streaming service was on the tube all night they were just hitting that really really hard we didn't really care for most of them except for the one at the end where they found Patrick Stewart at the top of the mountain we thought that one was pretty solid that was good yeah um, and so the winner was between M and M's and the Wayne's World Uber Eats
0: commercial what did you think of the Bud Light Uh, heroes all coming back it was actually very cool to see all their old commercial uh historical commercial people come back i love that i gotta say i was disappointed really with the amount of potential that that commercial had
1: i thought they squandered it
0: well i think in my opinion the best campaign they ever had was real men of genius that was hands down. That was down. certainly your favorite. Yeah. I can still listen to those. They're still um, funny. So they have that a, guy in there. It was a wonderful trip down memory lane because you
1: had the yes, I am guy. You had the, I love you, man guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that was wonderful. Yeah. Again, I thought the, the real, the real men of genius guy, like they, they squandered him. They didn't do enough with him. They tried to, they tried to throw all these moments together and it was like, no, they're, they're singular because they stick out. And then you go and you blend them. So I, I thought that was opportunity wasted. Uh, what I thought was your boy,
0: Will Farrell, did a very funny one on GM's electric vehicles. I love the fro he's got going now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, he's, he's good. I was, you know, I, honestly, I, I definitely said, ever quiet, quiet. I'm watching this one because I saw Will Farrell. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. It was good. It was fine. It was fine for me. Yeah. And I think his wife is finished if I remember that right, because he's told some really funny stories on Conan about going back to Finland with his wife. She's Swedish. Yeah. Oh, she's Swedish. Okay. It's definitely uh, up in that region. And I just love his description of he's the tallest, tallest person. And it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Well, he does
1: these very, very realistic Scandinavian encounters. Like I play, he played tennis against Bjorn Borg he was in that movie with Rachel McAdams where they did uh, Eurovision, is that what it was? Yeah. Like he's kind yeah. of ingratiated himself into that culture. It's like uh, Hasselhoff in Germany. <laughs> Transitioning on, we're going to do top nine because I don't have 10. We're going to do top nine Super Bowl advertisers because you know there were some names that were absent this year. Did you see any Budweiser commercials? Oh. Did you see any Coca-Cola commercials? Coke and Pepsi. Commercials? Yeah. yeah,
0: Coke and Pepsi backed out. First yep. time. And they were citing due to COVID, uh, an economical chip, that they weren't going to do that. And I thought, that's that's not possible. I mean, people have got to be in their houses drinking soda. Yeah, I can't I mean, believe I that they, that industry was negatively affected Why would that they harshly. think that
1: their prime demographic isn't watching a football game? So of the nine right. top advertisers of the last decade, at least four are not planning on running ads during Sunday's game. This year, a number of brands known for their iconic Super Bowl commercials, Budweiser and Coca-Cola, for example, are sitting out the big game. It leaves openings for newcomers such as DoorDash and Chipotle. Uh, And I might add that the Razzie of my halftime list goes to Oatly. Do you remember the Oatly commercial? (laughs) I don't actually even remember it. I don't drink Oatly. I wasn't aware of Oatly. So in the vein of there's no such thing as bad publicity, the guy hit it out of the park. But if I had a template for a stupid waste of $5 million, it would be the CEO thinking that A, he could sing, or B, that he was funny. And so for those of you that missed it, it was a nice picture of the sky with an odd musical melody and an out-of-tune singer. And as you pan down, it was a guy at a synthesizer singing about whatever that's how memorable it was did you see the five second reddit commercial i did not do tell
0: uh it flashed it flashed so fast i was like it was a paragraph that said i can't believe this worked and it was just writing but it was for five seconds and it flashed and it was gone and i was like what the hell was that so i went back and rewound it and paused it so i could read it and it was reddit said this is as much as i could afford was five seconds of airtime during this blew our entire marketing budget but look how powerful we can be if all band together they're talking about the whole game stop game yeah yeah maybe we got some time to you would about have had later. to really be paying attention and pause it because there's no way you could have read it and i thought that was a genius way of advertising because it made me stop and go back and read it well i need to find it now and i'm sure people will be talking about it this week
1: <laughs> anyway let's get back to uh top nine top nine you ready all right all right, I'm number nine. Number nine, with more than 100 million viewers tuning in, some of the largest U.S. brands shell out millions of dollars every year for airtime during the Super Bowl. Between 2010 and 2020, most frequent Super Bowl advertisers. Number nine, Tide. According to this, in 10 years, they ran 11 ads. Sources is iSpot.TV, provided by CNBC. Coming in at number eight, Kia. No. Ah, again, you're I- shaking your head. Yeah, that's no, no. Oh. Yeah. 12 ads in the 10 years coming in at number seven,
0: GoDaddy. Yeah. What do you remember about GoDaddy? Uh, oh God. What's her name? The uh, the driver. Oh my God. Danica. I can't remember. Danica. Thank you. Uh, and I remember that one with the nerd kid when the girl was like hitting on him. There was like a, a fat nerd and I, that's all I remember. Uh, that and then the girl whose shirt kept popping off. Remember her? She yep. was a playmate or something. Okay,
1: coming in at number six, Hyundai. Seriously? Hyundai. It's Hyundai. Hyundai, the Korean automobile company. So between Kia and Hyundai, again, basically the same company, between the two of them, they threw out 26 advertisements during the Super Bowl in the last 10 years. That's unbelievable. That is crazy. It must be working. Uh, I don't know. I mean, once they started increasing the quality of their vehicles, I think, is when they started selling, because it certainly wasn't advertisements. I, as a Massachusetts derivative, I certainly liked the uh, Pack with <laughs> Evans and Poppy and Krasinski and, and Rachel Dratch. I, I enjoyed that for its charm, but I'm not going to go buy a Hyundai because of that.
0: <laughs> no, ma. That's,
1: that's who they were yeah, missing. Where was them. he? Oh, he should have made an appearance. All right. Number five. Five. You with me? There's number five <laughs> on the list. Coca-Cola. Really? God, I thought what they would have been one, two, or three. In the last eleven years, Coca-Cola has aired sixteen Super Bowl ads and spent an estimated twenty-four point eight million dollars on its in-game ads over just the last five years alone. And the one, of course, that's the most popular is
0: Mean Joe Green. Polar Bears. Polar bears. Remember the polar it, bears? Which that just one's the Mean Joe Green? Wait. Mean Joe, mean Joe Green, Green was cool. Yeah, Mean Joe okay. Green was great. Right. But I think you're
1: talking about like the 70s back when Mean Joe Green was still playing. Yeah, I just know that was a famous one.
0: Uh, let's go back to number four. Number four is doo, 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 this year's winner, T-Mobile. Interesting. I would have never even put them in my top 10 list, but they did. They knocked it out of the park this year. 17 spots in the last
1: 11 years. Telecommunications provider topped the list of biggest spenders in the last five years. Shelling out 85.3 million for Super Bowl airtime. And this is, I believe, they're like the number three carrier. So they're spending a lot of money. All right, here we are at the top three. Top three. You probably can get one of the top three. You want to take a guess? Top three. Budweiser. Done. Uh Pepsi.
0: Nope. Get out of here. Pepsi's I'm, not even in the top ten. No, 10? sir. No, sir. No kidding. Um mm, Doritos? Yep. Yep. Very good. That was Two actually a pretty good one. You want to take another stab? Probably something boring. <laughs> Probably something really boring that I walk away whenever it comes on. All right. Uh, number all right. three is, in fact, Budweiser. Okay. So
1: Anheuser-Busch has ads all over the spectrum because they have a conglomerate of brands. They're They're a house of brands. So Budweiser by itself is number three. They've aired 18 commercials between 2010 and 2020 and spent about $50 million on airtime in the last five years. Number two, you nailed it, PepsiCo's Doritos. Doritos aired 19 Super Bowl commercials between 2010 and 2020. And iSpot estimates that it spent $24.4 million on airtime during the big game in the last five years. Uh, Mm. And they've been getting better. I just don't know that they hit the mark this year uh, i don't know a- that
0: was the mcconaughey one where he flattened out and went inside the uh okay number one final guess what do you got oh gosh how can i not know the number one um i don't know but bud it's bud not bud light, light. but light i did it. i said it's not bud light <laughs> uh,
1: not Beer think- has aired 26 commercials in the last 11 years during the big game it typically airs at least two in-game commercials Between 2016 and 2020, Bud Light spent $61 million
0: on Super Bowl airtime. That's crazy. I think um, now that you say that, I'm surprised that Coors didn't even make crack the top 10 because they used to run those freezing train commercials. And yeah, but which one was tastes great, less filling? Was that Bud Light too? That's Miller. Oh, that was Miller. No, Coors was tap the
1: Rockies. Uh, And, you know, all of those guys were all scraping to catch up with each other. But Anheuser-Busch kind of owns a large swath of the advertising, but they were notably absent. There were no Clydesdales. Okay, we're going to move on a little bit to something that is interesting because you and I like a good burger. According to CBS News, is the coloring agent that makes Impossible Burgers bleed safe? Have you had an Impossible Burger or a Beyond Meat Burger? Yes or no?
0: No. Why not? Because I'm a man. I want meat. I want to take a bite and ride the rest home. I don't want an Impossible Burger. Fair enough. A genetically engineered color additive that makes Impossible Foods plant-based burgers appear to bleed
1: like real meat should not have been approved by the FDA without more extensive testing, according to a food advocacy group. The Center for Food Safety is challenging the FDA's 2019 approval of soy legumoglobin, a so-called heme colorant produced in genetically engineered yeast. That is used in the vegan burgers now sold in supermarkets and restaurants across the country, according to court documents filed this week.
0: The question we should be asking ourselves right now is how have we not cured cancer? That's the question we should be asking <laughs> <laughs> genetically engineered yeast using four other words I've never heard in my life. For reals, so that we could have a brown plant based burger. Our priorities are messed up. I think that's fair.
1: I have had both the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger. I have to say that the Impossible Burger was pretty good. And if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. I think the Beyond Meat Burger was good. It was certainly tasty. And I would suggest that you're looking at the difference between maybe an In-N-Out Burger or a Five Guys Burger versus a Burger King Burger. Uh, I don't want to get sued by Beyond Meat full disclosure. It was good. I liked it. But when I was comparing the two of them, that's how I kind of felt was impossible was more of, you know, remember the $5 burger at Carl's Jr. Like it was kind of that restaurant quality burger from impossible versus beyond meat was just like the regular burgers that I would buy at the store. But I will be fair. And I will say it is indistinguishable between meat And
0: what it was. So what demographic are they targeting? People that used to eat meat that want that have chosen not to eat meat anymore. And that's their way to cheat without cheating. Clearly, it's anybody who's been bitten by that
1: tick that makes you allergic to meat. Uh, Anybody that's been told by their doctor, if you have another burger, you'll die. Okay, we need to back up. There's a tick that bites you and you get allergic to meat. Oh, yeah, you got to look this. You can get an allergic reaction from, from a bug that makes you
0: unable to eat red meat oh my god that's worse than murder hornet well perhaps i need to kill the last headline and switch over to that that is terrifying that is terrifying stuff you need to keep that for the halloween episode <laughs> <laughs> bam <laughs> right here i got it all
1: right so we'll do a yeah we'll do we can't a,
0: you can't just you just can't fly through that headline and not have stuff, somebody dude
1: all right, here we go <laughs> nationalgeographic.com for real I tried the Beyond Burger, I couldn't tell. I tried the Impossible Burger, I couldn't tell. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about this headline because I remember the Impossible Burger being very bloody. Like you're grilling that thing and you're like, okay, I get it. We, we, we want it to mimic fried animal flesh, but this is a little much. And when you go and you look at all of the ingredients that go into these things, they really go out of their way to reproduce the color, the taste, and the texture. Key element here, Texture. It's got to feel like cow. And I think that's where they go to all this work, pulling all this molecular level stuff out of plants where, you know, we got, uh, you got Boss Burger out there still, right?
0: Uh, Not, not that I've seen. It's possible. I wouldn't know where to look for it. Boss Burger allows you to get the black bean patty. I do like black bean burgers. I do like that. They're good, but they're not trying to be, A different burger. No, it's it's good. The thing
1: is find, find a vegan or vegetarian thing that works for you. So it's either got to be somebody that got bitten by this tick. And I got a follow-up article. I found a national geographic article. It's got to be somebody that has been told by their doctor. If you have any more red meat, you'll die. Or it's got to be somebody who's woke. Who says, I want to be, I don't want to abandon my red blooded manhood, but I want to be healthier uh, and the fourth category is somebody like me who's just curious. Yeah. So I tried it. I, tried it. Eh, I don't want to pay eight times more to feel better because in the end, there's so much engineering that goes into this and so much big food that it's really not much healthier for you other than you can say, I didn't kill a cow. So for all of you people out there, your significant other is a vegetarian and you don't want to get yelled at tonight.
0: Bravo. Beyond Meat. Well, when I was my former position, I obviously spent a lot of time with chefs. I was very uh, into what is trending in food and everything that, that goes along with it. And one thing that I noticed more than anything else is that things like this are hooks to bring people in to try other stuff uh, to bring back, bring you, bring me back to Burger King, bring you back to try something you haven't tried for a while, but it's a flash in the pan. It's, a, you know, every, if the McRibs stayed on the menu, it wouldn't be that exciting coming back. You know, that the flay of fish sandwich or whatever they is at this time of year, I think Wendy's mm-hmm. does that. They around Lent, Yeah. Because it's exciting. Like, Ooh, it's it's uh, it's something that's a little bit different. It's something I miss the shamrock shake, all those things. If they stayed on the menu all the time, it wouldn't be that great. So I, I feel like this could be along those lines, but all the demographics you're, you're nailing down there. I just don't think the people that try it once or twice. And once those people fall out, it's going to be hard to believe that that demographic has enough population to sustain having that on the menu. Unless it keeps really well, I have no idea. Well, I mean, you mentioned GameStop earlier. So when you talk
1: about overinflated value on the public markets, Beyond is through the roof. Like everybody is excited about what Beyond Meat could become. And in the last couple of weeks, what you're really looking at now is dog food. Mm. There is a strong market for lab-grown meat and synthetic meat products that you would feed to your pet because maybe it's not ready for prime time with humans. Uh, But the idea of we want to be better people, but we don't want to give up. You really got to look at the ingredient list for one of these things. And you got to say to yourself, really, this is, this is quote unquote healthy.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the thing is healthy. Again, coming from where I came from, people used to say, I want the, I, I want healthier options. Okay. What's healthy for you? Not having meat, low sugar. Low carbs? Are you keto? Are you not keto? Do you need it to be clean? What's healthy? There's so many different things that people are out there deeming this is a healthy meal. Other than a raw vegetable or carrot that I hand you, I don't know what you declare as healthy or what you've decided. Uh, you know which talking head you believe in that tells mm. you that this is going to help you live longer or feel better. You just tell me what your diet is, and I'll I I can do that for you. That's where I stand on the healthy healthy alternatives, because those impossible burgers, you get the people that are the, the clean movement right now. They, I, there's no way that's clean. Right. So no, certainly not. So then all the, you know, the millions and billions of Panera's investing and, in uh, you know, Chipotle investing in, in making sure everything is clean. Are they wrong? Is that healthy? I don't know. No, it gets to what, what is vegan and what does
1: that mean? And again, like many things, politics and history and all sorts of things, like you have to actually dig, scratch the surface and understand Oreos
0: are vegan. Oh, I know. My my daughter's allergic to milk. Yeah, but does that mean you can eat Oreos uh, with impunity? Yes, they're very healthy. That's <laughs> what I tell myself
1: every night. <laughs> Uh, I know that Del Taco is picked up beyond meat and to what you were saying before, there are a number of fast food joints that are pulling this on because it's mass produced, it's easy to to put out there, and it kind of goes against the stigma of fast food, which is what combination of uh, sugar, fat, and salt will get us to move you through the drive-thru in 35 seconds. With that being said, beyond sausage, 100%. You've had it? I have. That's the thing. And it's good. Oh, Absolutely. Now, was it patty sausage, link sausage? It was link sausage. Uh, It was was sliced link sausage. Uh, I think they also do patty sausage, which to me is just a bigger link that they sliced. Uh, If you look at what's actually in sausage or head cheese or whatever else you want to call about the little bits and pieces that are left in a casing that they put into links, Uh, sausage to me is similar to the jokes that you heard about hot dogs. It includes rat poop maybe even the rat. Uh, they just talked about somebody rebooting the Naked Gun series. Oh my God. And I With remember who? the scene in Naked Gun where the guy's eating a hot dog and he pulls out the ring from the bad guy. <laughs> and then he pulls the finger out. It's like, yeah, that's the hot dog. <laughs> so the idea that a whole bunch of plant chemicals goes into making sausage was intriguing from a you know philosophical perspective, but the actual how they make the Beyond sausage, smoking good for real. Given Gotta that it.
0: it's given that it's Super Bowl Sunday, what did you make for you and your guests today? Excellent segue. Let's get
1: into that. Let me go into the tick thing though, uh, real quick. For those of you that are dying to know what I was referring to earlier, this is from the National Geographic. This is from June 2017. A tick bite could make you allergic to meat. And it's spreading. As people encounter more ticks during the summer months, their chances for getting bitten by the allergy carrying Lone Star tick. Lone Star tick.
0: <laughs> Alpha
1: Gal may sound empowering, but the nickname, short for Galactose Alpha 1, 3 Galactose, is a sugar molecule that might just cause you to become allergic to meat. Dun, dun, dun. the sugar molecule was ah. spread from the lone star tick bite named for the texas shape marking on its back once bitten by a lone star tick the body's immune system is rewired
0: that is freaky
1: terrifying activates your allergy immune system from this your body creates alpha gal antibodies and from that point on the body is wired to fight alpha gal sugar models molecules. The majority of people who develop alpha-gal allergy syndrome realize their illness after eating meat, which is rife with alpha-gal. That's A-L-P-H-A-G-A-L, alpha-gal. The sugar is also present in some medications that use gelatins as stabilizers. There's a time delay in the reaction, so say if expert. It has to first travel through your gastrointestinal tract to be released. Hours later, patients wake up with hives, shortness of breath, vomiting, and diarrhea. Be warned. I- this
0: story is three years old. <laughs> I am freaking terrified. I'm going to wear deep woods uh, everywhere I go now. Stay away from ticks anyway, folks, as a general reminder.
1: Uh, Originally found primarily in the southeastern United States, the disease may become more common in farther north and western regions that experience warming temperatures. Global warming! Cases of the tick-borne illness have been popping up as far north as Long Island, New York, and as far west as Minnesota. Centers for Disease Control do not log cases of alpha-gal allergy syndrome, so most reports of the disease's
0: rise are anecdotal. Sorry, everyone. You're screwed. That means we have literally no facts about this or or statistics to share with you, but be afraid, be very afraid. Five years ago, we probably had about
1: 50 or so patients that had alpha-gal syndrome. Now we have about 200, said expert. However, until cases were first identified in the past decade, little to none was known about the origin of this meat allergy. Studies have documented that warming temperatures have led to an increase in plant-based allergies from allergens like pollen. Completely unrelated. So and so expert says blah, 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 blah. All right. Look it up. Nationalgeographic.com slash news slash 2017 slash 06 slash tick bite meat allergy spreading
0: SPD. Thank you very much. Dot com. Go daddy. That, that is headlines. Thank you. All right. Super Bowl spread. What do you got? Oh, I fired up the new Traeger smoker. Good for you. uh And I did not do it with an expensive piece of meat since I've never used a smoker like this. So I did a pork loin which is typically something didn't take a whole lot of time in a smoker pretty hard to mess up in general and uh it came out fantastic so i'm excited i feel like i got to a point where i can start to experiment a little bit more with this smoker and because before i had a propane one and as much as i loved that one and I learned to master it after a while. It was definitely dependent on what type of uh, weather I had for the day. And being in Ohio, you were pretty limited on what you could do because blowing, blowing the flame out, you know, it's so important to keep the temperature when you're smoking meat as long as possible, try to keep it right in that mark. Hard to do with a propane smoker and on breezy day. And that was pretty common in Ohio. So the, uh, and after making one brisket on that and babysitting it for 16 hours, I said, "I'm too old for this. I'm going with the uh, the pellet feeder, uh, the set it and forget it type smoker, which is what I got the Traeger, and it was a it was a slam dunk. So that was good. I uh, this morning for breakfast, though, I think this was the the hero of the day. We uh, ordering groceries from a place called Imperfect Foods, so it's all the ugly stuff that you know. It's, nothing's wrong with it. It's just you know, maybe, maybe it, no, stop a minute to talk about that because I think what they do is amazing. It it is, it's phenomenal. So they're taking, they're taking that, they give you a discount for it. And I think we had chocolate covered pretzel pieces, like they were delicious. So as long as you can get over that, but we had this cinnamon, uh, it was like a cinnamon bread loaf, uh, with icing on the top. It was basically a loaf of bread that tasted and smelled like a cinnamon. And sliced that thing and made French toast out of it this morning. And it blew my mind. What is it about the Traeger that you like specifically? It's just that it's easy. Set it and forget it. It's Mm -hmm. a good, trusted brand. Uh, Pit Boss is another one I've been hearing a lot about that people seem to like. Not a fan of the green egg. I get it. I'm not a purist like those people out there. I just don't have the time to babysit food all day. And I really like smoked food. It's just it takes forever to make it. That's why I like the Traeger. Yeah, it's fun, but I'm, I have a grill too. I like, I I can't get rid of the grill. I have a a built in grill. So it depends what I'm doing that day. I like to make uh, skewers and all that and throw it in the smokers. Just the smoker is, it makes delicious food, but you gotta, you gotta be in it. (laughs) You gotta make a time commitment if you're gonna make anything in there. So not always, not always the case. How about you? you? What'd you have? We went back and forth on what to have because in the age of COVID, you have
1: to be careful about who you have over. So it was just General Tizzo and his wife and his little girl. So we were going to expect him at 1.30. So somewhere between 1.20 and 1.30, he finally showed up. But by then, kids had already eaten, and we were kind of in that between-meal period of, great, we just fed the kids, but the adults didn't eat because we want to be polite and wait for our friends to show up. So we're hungry. They're hungry. We didn't prepare a lunch. Because we didn't talk about it, we didn't really know when he was going to get here because he's he's an hour away. Like if you look at a map of the Phoenix metropolitan area, so in terms of where we are, I'm in Seattle and he's in Miami. So I never want to plan for him to show up. Long story short, we had finger foods all day. It was chips and salsa, it was veggie tray. It was whatever we could get out of the oven as quick as possible, we had uh, have you ever had Mississippi pot roast? Nope. Super good. Easy recipe. Number one, get a crock pot. Done. Go, go get Check. one and come back. Check. Now that you have the crock pot, I want you to get a, a chuck roast or a large piece of cow. I okay. think you can do this with pork as well, but it's best if it's beef. One gigantic three pound piece of beef. It can be chuck roast. It can be top loin. It can be London broil. It can be like, I think we did bottom round this time. Just throw that in the crock pot. Then you get a jar of pepperoncinis okay. and you get a packet of either Italian salad dressing mix or ranch salad dressing mix, but it's gotta be dried out. It's powder, either ranch or Italian depends on taste. You slam the meat down in the crock pot. You sprinkle the salad dressing powder over the meat. You pour in the jar, all of it, the whole jar of pepper genies and juice six hours on low. Boom. Blam. I thought you were going to say Dr. Pepper. Easiest six hour meal ever. So we had that going. And then uh, at some point we went out and we got a a bunch of chicken wings from Costco that we threw in. Mm -hmm. I had some... I had some steak that I thawed out and we didn't eat. So I had it ready to go. So it wasn't, as far as presentation goes, the vegetables look beautiful, but I didn't have a whole spread. Like a lot of people have big game day spreads uh, that I really admire. It wasn't us.
0: I find it hilarious on days like Super Bowl and Thanksgiving where you spend an entire day and sometimes multiple days prepping and cooking and cleaning and everyone wolfs it down in 30 minutes. You're like, thank you. because My off. stomach is full now. Yeah. yeah I mean, so means, there's, you there's did a it way. right. That's the way to go. Finger foods, graze all day. That's, yeah, that's, that's what Super Bowl is all about. And I think you're
1: right. I think you're absolutely right. It's got to be, you can have a cookout in the sense of lots of food. It should be buffet style. You should let people go back and forth and pick and eat whatever they want. Certainly nothing that involves courses. Like mm-hmm. don't expect people to eat a salad before they eat a main course. It's like this is... And timing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, Kids are running around, it's loud, it's noisy. Everybody's waiting for kickoff to watch the game. So it's centered around an event. So I, mean, I guess people have CD listening parties or maybe they watch the State of the Union address or you know, the playoffs, of course, is a big deal. Uh, playoffs? 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 <laughs>
0: oh, I'll practice.
1: I just finished The Last Dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan.
0: Mm hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I saw 100%. it. It's good. It's it's no Tiger King, but it's good. Well, I haven't seen Tiger King. So uh, we have to put that on the list. You have a homework assignment. Absolutely.
1: But Yeah, it was um, snacks. Didn't really drink that much. Most of it was just policing the kids. We're at a wonderful point in our lives, which I think you'll get to eventually of we're starting to meet the neighbor's kids. And so the way our house is situated is we have this gigantic kind of green strip of grass that goes along one side of our house and along the back. So we only have one neighbor. And what happens is we have a wrought iron fence that looks out onto the green belt because it's beautiful. It's also a wonderful thing for the neighborhood kids to hang on when they want my children to come out and play. Mm. So at any moment we'll see two or three random children hanging on the fence. Can you guys come out and play? And my boys go out and and have a good time. So we happened to be on the day of the Super Bowl hosting a bunch of children. And it would have been one thing if the children were with their parents and we invited the parents in and gave the parents snacks and a drink, but the kids were by themselves. So now we're starting
0: to think to ourselves, where are your parents on (laughs) Super Bowl Sunday? And why are you here? Uh, They're the smart parents that are like, go over to that house yeah. go find a <laughs> generous neighbor who's here. willing
1: to babysit you while we get drunk and watch the game that's right yeah we don't we don't know the neighbors very well yet so I'll, i don't want to talk out of turn but that's that was the day
0: adulting how about you how'd you do that was fine was totally mellow like i said fired up the smoker trying to teach the daughter how to ride her bike so we did a couple runs at that she's she's doing it but with training wheels but yeah, she's four so she's getting there and uh, got it jumped in the new jacuzzi, and we're having we're having uh, a little bit of trouble with it, uh, trying to understand you know what makes it cloudy, what doesn't make it cloudy, because or maybe it's just because it's so brand new. I, I don't know what it what it, I think it's just the water's so new it doesn't have enough chemicals in it, but we'll get it all balanced out. But otherwise, it's just a really really nice weekend. Matter of fact, I'm gonna have to go down and join my wife here before she falls asleep on me. Good so morning. we can watch our, our, our last show of the night. All right. So let's, uh,
1: let's kick into our parenting segment. We, we were going to talk about the article on the economist, but I think we can save that for another time. I think that we should. I think that's a, that, that's a um, nice hook. Let's talk about your, let's talk about your bike riding because my five-year-old recently learned how to ride his bike as well.
0: Uh, did you start with training wheels? We did. Okay. Because the neighbor next door, he saw her riding around, and he was like, you know, that's fine, but don't leave them on too long. They start to rely on them. It's really tough. The longer you leave them on, the harder it is to get them to ride without it. I'm just trying to get her legs strong enough to to understand the pedaling motion at this point. But uh, as soon as that happens, we'll start working on it. But he made an interesting comment, which was, do you have a Razor scooter? And I said, no. He said, go get a razor scooter. I think I got an extra one in my garage where he said, I'll give it to you. That will teach her how to balance on two wheels. And then the bike will be no problem at all. hundred percent. Yep.
1: Yeah. We did the same thing. We got a bike with training wheels to give them the idea of handle, sit, pedal. And mm-hmm. exactly what you said is he relied on the training wheels. He relied on wobbling. And mm-hmm. uh, I completely agree with your neighbor get them to learn balance first because pedaling is easy. The pedals don't go anywhere. They're in a very defined motion. So if you can kick, you can pedal, get them a balance bike or a scooter or something with two wheels that teaches them balance because that was the hardest part was getting the five-year-old to trust that falling down is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a bike with training wheels now stop, take the training wheels off. Oh, wow. Get the scooter or get one of those balance bikes. Or if all you have is the bike,
0: take the pedals off. Teach balance first. So you have two boys. Yep. What did you do differently with boy number two that you learned from boy number one? Boy number one, we did right. Yeah. Boy number two, we didn't.
1: Mm. Boy number two, we got the bike because boy number two wants to be like boy number one. So we got the bike to satisfy, we're all going to go ride a bike together. Boy number two was like, eh, whatever. Okay, we're all going to do this together. He never stood up on the pedals. He never got into it the way that boy number one did. Boy number one wanted to ride right now. And so at some point we pulled the training wheels and we said, if you want to ride, this is what you need to do in order to ride. So we could rely on that natural motivation to get out on the bike. Boy number two was like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll ride the bike, whatever. And so that was a harder journey. And what it took was you have to pull off the training wheels. Then you have to pull off the pedals. Then you have to get into a position where if you want to spend time with me, this is what we're going to do. And I hate that. I hate that denying a child attention, but it's, it comes with a learning process of you need to do this. Uh, the irony is the five-year-old basically taught himself how to swim so we thought maybe he would apply that aptitude to the bike didn't work out that way so it took us took us quite a while to get the five-year-old to learn to ride a bike shocked to hear that because i know boy number two is physically gifted and uh you've met him You've hung out with him, you've seen the attitude, you've seen that eye of the tiger. Uh, At one point he said, I wanna swim and he jumped in the pool by himself and we weren't paying attention. And next thing you know, he's on his own. But as far as the bike is concerned, he was like, no, I got training wheels, I'm good. So we had to break him of the reliance on the training wheels. The fun part though, was once he got it and he made it about 15, 20 feet by himself, then the eye of the tiger came back and he's like, oh, I, I want to do this. And so I think you got to, you got to understand the natural psychology of the personality of your child. But then after that, once you get that momentum going, it kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. it's a good tip. I'll take it. Yeah. Balance first. Then pedaling. And, uh, I think that,
0: uh, does your little one swim? Uh, Getting there, just okay. starting right now. Yeah, same idea. The way that I would teach
1: swimming is get them to tread water in the middle of the pool first, then teach them to stroke. Uh, you want the basics in any kind of emergency situation. So if they can crab walk around the pool, that's great. Get them, get them to build their arm strength. Get them to understand what it means to to move their appendages in the midst of the water. But I wouldn't I wouldn't do any of that stuff where you hold them under their stomach and let them swim as they go across the water. No, get them in the middle of the pool and say, keep your head above water. Because if you don't, you're gonna drown. And that sounds cruel. There's gotta be a nicer way to explain that, but they need to learn to tread water
0: 1st You're gonna they get to- knock on the door to fire. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they gotta the stay where they are in the water before they move through the water. It, make, it makes a lot of sense. Honestly, it it really does. I can't remember if I had training wheels or not when I was learning. I mean, how would I, I have no idea. I should probably ask my parents. You gotta ask, yeah. You got to ask your folks after this, after all this time. Yeah. Anyway, my man, that's our show for today. You got anything else you want to close with? Well, it's nice to be almost sober. The entire show feels good. <laughs> 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 No, I like the. I'd love to see some suggestions roll in. I'd well, love hope to
1: listen, and we'll throw in, especially uh, our friend of the show. Oh yeah! It, uh, this was Super Bowl Sunday, February seventh. This is the Brown Bulletin. See you
0: next week. See you next week. All right, man. Take care. All right. See you.
1: is dead anyway, man.